0: Well, if you have your bulletin, inside is a sermon outline that you can use to follow along this morning. And while we're here, I just want to say I see some familiar faces again. Benita Park, it's so good to have you back from Africa. We're glad you're here. It's nice to see Lisa and Harris Brownstein here, and, and um, it's good to have some of you back. We've missed you, and we're glad you're here today. So inside your program is our Scripture reading this morning. And this is a passage that we have like a a sparrow swooped down upon several times this summer. But today we want to tackle this passage head on from the New Testament book of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Starting in chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. And I'll refer to some earlier in the chapter. Paul writes, Therefore... that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So far the reading of God's Word. All summer long we've been considering the fact that just as our computers... Or our iPhones or iPads, just as our computers need an operating system, every one of us as human beings has an, a relational operating system. You know what the OS is. If you have a PC, then you have a Windows operating system. Or if you have an Apple computer, you have a Mac OS. And what the operating system does is it takes the input from your keyboard on the hardware and with, through a software, it moves it through to the display, and it connects your email out to the world. There's an operating system that has input and output, and it, and it works and serves you very well, but every so often, what do you need to do? You need to upgrade Your operating system. Now I told you a few weeks ago that I just recently upgraded to Windows 10. What I didn't tell you is that I was very reluctant to do it. And Microsoft, who are marvelous marketers, Microsoft would send me a message, little irritating message every day. Would you like to upgrade to Windows 10? Please hit accept. And I would hit that little X and make it go away. But they were relentless. And I'll tell you what, I am relentless with you this summer. They were relentless with me. Will you upgrade your operating system? And I've been relentless with you this summer. Will you upgrade your relational OS? Will you? And I'm not going to wait until the end of the sermon to call you to commitment. This sermon, the whole thing, is about your commitment to upgrade how you interface with relational wisdom with other people. And you remember the three components of relational wisdom. Remember what they are, God, self, and others. And if you are a person who's going to have any skill at getting along with other people, you need a God-awareness, you need a self-awareness, you need other-awareness, And then out of that, you come to a God engagement and a self-management, self-engagement, and then other engagement with others. Now, you don't want your old operating system. Earlier in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.22, it's not in your program, but listen, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life That's your old OS. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And we've come to that verse several times this summer. And now today I'm asking you, what do you need to put off? How do you need to be renewed in your mind by God's Word and by your union with Christ? And what do you need to put on in its place? I'm so excited for us as a church. Feedback this summer has been tremendous as people are seeing God change them. But for all of us, not only is this change good, but it's also scary. Why was I reluctant to upgrade, because it was going to cost me something. Even though they said it was free, you know it's not free. I had to buy other software. And even worse, I was going to have to change. We don't like to change. We get very comfortable in our old ways. And so that's why the Bible is relentless in saying, put off, put off, put off, the old man, be renewed, and put on the new man. Now, in order to do this, you have to ask, is it safe? Is it safe to do this? And in particular, I wonder about this church. Are we, as a church family, a safe community where you can be honest about your need to change? Hmm? After all, you come in here, you sit down, and you say, everybody else has it all together. Everybody else in here looks so good, and they have it all together. I don't dare tell them that I haven't had a quiet time with God for weeks. Hmm. I don't dare tell them that I have anxiety. I wake up. Sometimes I get so anxious I can... I can hardly breathe, but they're they're all breathing just fine. I don't dare tell them that I scream at my kids, that words come out of my mouth that I would never want them to hear. Let me ask you, are we a safe family where you can be honest about the changes and the upgrades you need to make? Because, you know, we need each other. We need feedback from each other. We need engagement. We need accountability. We need help with each other. Can we do this? You know, our text says each of you must speak truthfully to his neighbor. And earlier he says, speak the truth in love. And so I need help upgrading my operational system. Wes Trager and, and, uh, and uh, uh, Andre Duarte helped me upgrade my system. And you need help too. Are we a safe place to do it? You know, there's a, a, a popular singer of the group U2. Who's the lead singer for U2? Does anyone know Bono? And Bono is a Christian man. And I've read some interviews with him in Christianity Today in World Magazine. And he says this. He's really interesting. Um, Bono says that um, anybody who lives under the cross... That is, anybody who understands the gospel and is a true Christian, anybody who lives under the cross and who has discerned at the cross the utter wickedness of all men will find that there's no sin that could ever be alien to Him. That is to say, you'll never be shocked at sin in others and even in yourself. We might be appalled by it, but, you know, Queen of England, she we are shocked and appalled. Well, you know, you can be appalled by it, but Bono says, Don't be shocked. Sin is terrible, and it is ever-present, lurking in the flesh. Bono says, anyone who understands and lives under the cross understands the wickedness of men. And then he says, and therefore, only the brother under the cross can hear my confession. He says this, The most experienced psychologist or observer of human nature knows infinitely less of the human heart than the simplest Christian under the cross. Take that in. I'll say that again. The most experienced psychologist or observer of human nature knows infinitely less of the human heart than the simplest Christian under the cross. For in the presence of a psychologist, I can only be a sick man. In the presence of a Christian, I can dare to admit that I am a sinner. I think Bono understands what it takes to be safe to confess your need for an upgrade. You need to be around other Christians who understand their own sin at the cross. North Shore Community Church, let's be people. Let's be a safe community to be honest and real with each other about our need for an upgrade. But that leads to point number two, and this is the meat of the message. The upgrade consists of putting off renewal and then putting on and he gets very concrete. Paul becomes very practical. And he underscores that change, in a practical way, is a three factor process. And all three components need to be there as we change. There's what? There's the put off, then there's the renewal, and then there's the put on. You get that now? There, there is a mechanism for how it happens. Christians put off the old sinful way of life, and he articulates a bunch of them, then they are to be renewed by the book of truth uh, and truth, and then they are to be renewed in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and then they are to then put on the new man that he clothes you in. It's the upgrade. The therapists, they they, they call these things that to be put off, they call them dysfunctional dynamics. Yeah, we we have dysfunctional dynamics in our life. But listen to the very practical list, these things that, that Paul talks about here. He talks about lying, stealing, sinful anger and rage, unwholesome and destructive speech. He talks about bitterness, malice. What is malice? Malice is hatred and a desire to see someone else harmed, I guess you could call these dysfunctional dynamics, but you know what the Bible calls them? Sin. The Bible uses the term sin. I have friends in the profession of psychiatry and psychology, and they have some some professional restrictions on when and how they can use that word. But listen, brothers and sisters, in this safe community, we can call it for what it is, and we can own it for what it is. It's sin. And we are to put off these things. They are dishonoring to God. They are bad for ourselves. And they hurt others. The three components of relational dynamics of relational wisdom, you see. We need to put them off. And so much of it has to do with speech. Lying and slander and uh, malicious talk. You know, the book of James, the book of James says, the tongue, the tongue is a tiny little part of your body. You know, you, some of you here, you got massive hamstrings, you know, and, and large pectoral muscles. Tongue, tongue is just tiny. But in James chapter 3, if you look at that verse down there, it says uh, and down in verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Have you ever been singed or burned by someone else's words? Of course you have, and it's painful. And have you ever singed and burned another person by your words? Of course you have. And they have experienced pain. Paul says, we put these things off. You know, I, I have the privilege sometimes of watching husbands and wives fight. That's why you pay me the big bucks. And I see sometimes the way a disagreement surfaces between a husband and wife. Now I'm going to do this a little over the top and I'm not talking about anyone in this church, okay? But I've used this example before. Let's take George and Sally. And Sally is bothered by the fact that when George shaves, he leaves the hairs in the sink and it's it's pretty unattractive. And she walks into the into the bathroom and she looks at the sink And she says, George, I don't understand why you have to be such a slob all of the time. Why can't you just rinse out the sink when you're done? And George says, what? Me, a slob? Me, a slob? You're the one who's in charge of cleaning the house? Have you looked under the bed lately? I've seen so much stuff under there. I wonder what's alive there under the bed. And she says, clean under the bed. Why should I? You're never home. You're just always off at work or with your friends. And George says, well, why should I come home? You're so unattractive. Your hair is always up in curlers. You look like a Martian. What happened to the hairs in the sink? And they're just using... They're just using the hairs in the sink as an occasion to spew their venom on each other. The Apostle Paul says this ought not to be. Instead, the Bible says we are to be different. We are to put off these sinful ways of relating. Well... How does this happen? It's more than just saying, I'm sorry. It's more than just learning to be polite. What is it? There has to be this renewal of the heart before there's a replacement of the words. This is really true. The heart must be renewed. Think about this, this renewal. When is a thief not a thief? Or when is a liar not a liar? You see, some of you here, you'd say, well, a thief is not a thief if he's not stealing, right? Wrong. When is a liar not a liar? When he's not lying? Wrong. A thief is not a thief when, as he says here, he has finally learned to work with his hands and to earn for himself and then to be generous and give away to others until he is transformed from a life of a thief to a life of a productive, helpful, encouraging person. When is a liar not a liar? When he becomes a truth teller. You see, the thief might have just seen the cop on the corner, and so he didn't steal. Or the kid might have not lied today because he knew his mom talked to the principal on the phone. But that doesn't change that he's still a liar until his heart has changed. A liar is no longer a liar when he becomes a truth teller, and a thief is no longer a, tru- a thief until he has become one who gives back because of the work of his own hands. You see, the, Paul is ex- very practical in this. And he talks about all the, 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 the nasty words that people speak to each other. And he says, You haven't stopped being nasty. You haven't stopped being a nasty person if you just happen to be polite for a couple of minutes. He says, you are different when your words bless, when your words edify, when your words build up. How does this happen? It happens when there is a renewal of our hearts. Verse 32 is the location for the explanation of the renewal. What does he say? He says, forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. And he grounds it all. He grounds the entire change... In the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, in the work of Jesus Christ in His perfect obedience and in His resurrection from the dead, renewal happens through Jesus Christ in your heart. Christ who forgave you enables you to forgive another. Christ who blessed you enables you to bless another. That's the key. It's union with Christ. Martin Hahn was talking with me this week. And he said, John, isn't it wonderful? We look at our judge and we see in His face the face of a Savior. And that's what changes the heart. I really appreciated that. Yes, we said in the Nicene Creed, He will come again with glory to judge. Some of you learned it, the quick and the dead, right? You remember that? But that just means the living and the dead. He will come as the judge And I ask you today, have you met the one who is coming as your judge? Have you met Him first as your Savior? That's the key to change. It is that personal relationship with Him. And you need Him. You need Him. When we acknowledge our sin... Our sin goes to Christ on the cross. Isaiah 53, you know, this passage is all about our speech, our nasty speech. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 of Jesus Christ, there was no deceit in His mouth. You know, all men are liars, the Bible says, but no deceit in His mouth. And then it says, and He was crushed for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgression, and the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Are you unmoved by that? You see your Savior's face, and you are changed on the inside. And that leads to point number three, because that's where the upgrade happens and the put-on occurs. And I hope we get excited about this upgrade. I, I know Wes Trager and Andre Duarte were excited that I was going to get Windows 10. I was going to have improvement on my computer. It wasn't going to freeze up as much. That's a good thing, you see. What are the features of the upgraded operational system in your relational OS that he talks about here. Well, this is where a careful study of verse 29, and I want you to look at it with me, where verse 29 is, 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 is very helpful. It begins where he says, uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, now, the second half, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This is a very tight sentence. This is a beautiful sentence of Scripture, isn't it? You want to know what's in your new relational operating system? The second half of verse 29. I want this to be true of you. You are a man. You are a woman who speaks. What is helpful? Building others up. You know, it's a construction term. Your words help build up other people according to their needs. What's that? That's other awareness. You're actually aware of what they need. And you know what you do? You speak right to that need. And then it says that it may benefit. And, and the literal Greek, it's that, that it may give grace. You, who are united to Jesus Christ, who has been gracious to you, you now become a conduit, a vessel of grace to others. This is amazing. That's explicitly what he says here. Oh, friends, the people around you, the people in your families, they have so many negative voices speaking to them every day. They hear criticism. They hear doubt. They hear put-downs. People feel stuck where they are. People are hopeless. And you, you are God's appointed ambassador to say words like please and thank you. I'm really glad to see you I appreciate you. I see that you're facing a hard time. Let me know what I can do to help you because I would like to do that. Do you understand? Life is hard out there. But our Savior is upgrading your relational OS so you can be that agent of blessing. And in that very tight sentence, it says that you build up. It's like construction. You're building a beautiful facility in them that it benefits them at the point of their need. And it gives grace. And husbands and wives, George and Sally, George and Sally, listen to me. It doesn't have to be like I described Sally. Sally, I want you to learn. I learned this in Counseling 101 from my professor, John Bettler. He taught in marriage class that husbands and wives, Sally, you need to use the first person singular. Sally, you need to say something like this. Um, um, George, I have a problem. See, she started out, George, you're a, you are a slob. No, 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 you can't do that. Sally starts out, George, I have a problem. I don't like the hairs in the sink. Every time I see them, I'm tempted to get angry. I don't want to. I need your help. Please, help me. And if George is any kind of a Christian man at all, George will say, when he hears that, he will say, you know, you're right, I want to help help me, show me what I can do so that I can handle it. What did we say a few weeks ago? God gives us the emotion of anger. Anger is wired in, it is a human emotion. But anger is to be used to attack the problem, not the person. Christian, if you get this, your relational OS will upgrade so high. Use your anger to attack the problem not the person. And it will benefit the people around you and give grace. So, friends, this, this, is, this is it. I'm calling you today. I'm calling you. Don't hit the X to get rid of that invitation to upgrade. It's time to say, I accept. Hit the I accept. I'm going to download the upgrade to my relational operating system. I'm going to put off the old man. I want to be renewed in my mind. Yes, I want to put on the new man in righteousness and holiness for the glory of God because of what Christ has done for me on the cross and the power of the cross. Some of you are reluctant this morning. Why is that? Well, why was I reluctant to upgrade to my OS? Because it was going to cost me something, you know? It does, it, it's costly. Ch- and, and change is hard, isn't it? Because we're comfortable with those old ways, and, and, and we get a payoff from the old ways. Don't kid yourself. The great psychologist Alfred Adler, he said, he said every human behavior gets a payoff. Even stupid behaviors, even nasty behaviors, give a person a payoff in in their psyche, he said. And he spent his career just analyzing how people get a payoff. Even people who commit suicide are still serving themselves in some way. Whatever stupid thing you've done, you did it because you wanted to do it, Adler says. And so change is hard. Some of you are reluctant to go to Jesus. Even as we're coming to communion, it's coming close now. The moment is coming when the Lord is saying to you, I want to own you. I want your whole heart. I want to renew you that you put off the old man and put on the new. Some of you are reluctant because change is hard, because it's expensive to do, and some of you it's because you're afraid of Jesus. Oh, you'll be happy to be religious, but this this Jesus stuff is just too much for me. And I want to challenge you. You see, where that comes from is this illusion that I don't really need Jesus. And how could I persuade you today that you need Jesus? I can't do that. But I can give you an assignment, and on the back of your sermon outline is look at this, is something called the tongue assignment, and I'm going to give it to you, and I want you to put this on your refrigerator and show it to your kids in the morning and remind your husband of it at night. Here's the tongue assignment. Do you see this? It's going to show you and me that you need Jesus every day, and it won't take too long to show you how much you need Christ, the blood of Christ. And there's five assignments to this. Look at them. Number one, for just one week, I'm only asking this for seven days, okay? Number one, do not gossip. That means don't spread a bad report about anyone, even a little. Number two, do not complain. The Bible says let there not be any grumbling. Do not complain. Number three, do not blame shift. That means to make excuses. Number four, do not defend yourself. After all, Jesus was silent before His accusers. You just do it for a week. Do not defend yourself. Just be silent. Number five, do not boast. And if you're like me, it won't take long until Isaiah 6 arises from your lips. What did Isaiah cry out? Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people at the North Shore Community Church of Unclean Lips, the assignment of the tongue, as you can see. It's not just for this week or next week. This is the means of God's grace to persuade you that you need a Savior, just like I do. And doesn't that make sense to you? There was no deceit in His mouth. His mouth was perfect, and He took my sins upon Himself, and He did that for you. So, you trust Him now, Don't you want this? We're coming now to communion. And this is not the time for God to do business with your husband or your wife or your kid. This is time for God to do business with you, okay? And we're now going to have a season of quiet. We're going to... I'm going to invite the elders to come forward, and we're going to uh, soon hand out communion to you and invite you to... Allow the Lord to do business with your soul. I'm going to invite Junior, if he would come up and help, and Melcar can help in the distribution. If If you're a baptized member of Christ's church, it doesn't have to be our church. It could be some church that's faithful to the gospel. We invite you to come. If you're not a disciple of Jesus, well, this sacrament is something you should just pass by.